Hello and welcome to episode five of Country Stride, the podcast dedicated to the landscapes, people and heritage of Cumbria and the English Lake District. I'm here at Dalegarth Station today, the topmost station on the Lalrati line that comes into the heart of Estale. And I'm here sitting beside the river here with illustrator, author and walker, Mark Richards. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, David. We're well into uh, November now, Mark. The trees have lost a few of their leaves and it's, uh, it's a little bit chillier, isn't it? But certainly there's a lovely chill in the air and there's mistiness there. Yes, it feels very lakes to me. Uh, but it's also fitting in its own way because today is a spooky Halloween special. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, this is it. Uh, we'll be looking through the murkiness to see if we can see anything that is uh, untoward. <laughs> and the reason for that, Mark, we should say, is because we are with Alan Cleaver, who is a specialist in the, the ghosts of Cumbria. Oh, Alan's a great researcher of the culture and heritage of the county. He studied Lonins uh, and Corpse Roads is one of his recent specialisms. Right, so today's route, Mark, if you just want to talk us through, what have you got planned for, for Country Stride 5? Well, we're starting from St. Catherine's Church beside the River Esk. Gorgeous little setting it is. And we're following through the hamlet of Boot to pass the Estelle Mill and then heading up onto the moor towards Burnmore Tarn and then over the hill into Wasdale Head to get to St. Olaf's Church at Wasdale Head in the shadow of the Scorfells. We've been there once, of course, that vicinity in the very first episode, but the atmosphere and the conditions are totally different and our orientation and focus is totally different today. Well, I look forward to this. The, uh, the cloud is shifting down over the tops now. I don't think we're going to see much in the way of big views, are we? But it is fitting for this, uh, this Halloween spooktacular. <laughs> spooktacular. Um, we're, we're meeting Alan at St. Catherine's Church. Should we make the short walk down there? Uh, I look forward to it. Great to see you, Alan. Nice to see you, Mark. It's a pleasure to meet you. What a fabulous setting. It is. This is one of the most beautiful spots in the Lake District, isn't it? Or indeed in Cumbria, you know. I think Estale's a favourite because there's not quite so many tourists and um, you've, got, you've got a bit more remote here. Yeah, you've got remote, but you've got a lovely sense of place here. Yes. Trees, uh, rugged hills in the background and this lovely little church of St Catherine. If we buy the porch at the entrance... Um, can you tell me something about what we're doing today? Well, we're going to walk the Corpse Road uh, mm-hmm. from Wasdale Head to Westdale. But right. we're, do- we're doing it backwards, in <laughs> yes. a sense. And St Catherine's is the end of the Corpse Road um, mm-hmm. from Wasdale Head. And the, basically, in medieval times, um, you had to be buried at the Mother Church. Mm-hmm. So wherever you died in any remote village or hamlet, you were carried along the Corpse Road to the church and then buried. And initially, this was just a chapel of ease. Oh, yes. uh, they then carried on to St. Bees, which was the true Mother Church. 
and about 1600, the people of Estelle got fed up of <laughs> lugging their dead all the way to St. Bees, and they petitioned the bishop and said, look, can we please just dig a hole in the ground here and bury them? <laughs> um, and so they got permission uh, to do that. The parish uh, did actually stretch over into Wasdale Head. Wasdale Head was its own parish, but whoever drew the map up, a bit like today's sat-nav people, had no idea what a mountain was, and uh, so drew a line on the map which included part of Wasdale Head. So if you were unfortunate in the medieval times to live in Wasdale Head, but just in the Estelle Parish, you had to be carried all the way over here. Instead of, instead of going down by another Wasdale and Santon Bridge, and the obvious. You'd think we'd normally have taken the more obvious route, but nothing that simple in life. <laughs> no, no. Or, or you think they would have just dug a hole in the ground <laughs> and buried them at Wasdale Head. Well, but, the, there was know. money to be made out of bodies, you know. There was, and St Bees made good money out of burials, which is ah. why they had the monopoly on this, and they... they they held on to it for as long as they could. And, and even when the par remote parishes sort of got their own burial rights, they often had to pay compensation to St. Bees for a number of years uh, to, to sort of ease the financial strain. <laughs> well, that's, that's right. fascinating, Alan. We ought to get walking because we've got a, quite a stride to do. And uh, It's a fair jaunt uh, to Wasdale Head from here, so yeah. we'll, uh, we'll make tracks up Church Lolling. Okay, uh, Church Lolling will go. Okay, we'll head that way. It's a suitably autumnal, windy day for a corpse road walk, isn't, isn't it, it really? Lovely, and this wonderful old oak tree. I know, it's gorgeous, very iconic really, next to the church and uh, and just up to Parsons Passage on our left. Oh right, yeah, that's uh, intriguing. Uh, you all these lovely stonewalled lanes and that's a particular one. What's the purpose of that one? Well, uh, as the name implies, it, it leads from the vicarage to the church and so the vicar would walk down this way. I think they tried to formally call it Vicar's Walk, but of course, everyone locally just said, oh, it's Parsons Passage. And I mean, wouldn't you just love to have been Vicar at the Vicarage and walk down here to your church? And, oh, you yes. Know, gorgeous. You can imagine a little stone walls. You could stretch your arms out and test the walls yeah. both sides. Yeah. Uh, and there you are. That's the Vicar's Way. For a long time, they didn't mark it on maps or have a sign up. They've just put it now, put a sign up saying Parsons Passage. Lovely. So it's easy, it's easy to find. Yeah, absolutely. And we're on Church Lonning. Church Lonning, yes. Uh, Lonnings are interesting because you can trace the whole notion of travel through the landscape from trods, which were evolved by animals and people just naturally traveling through a landscape, to those that are far more prescribed for a purpose. And this is a has a purpose. Well, uh, lonning is a, is a dialect term for lane, country lane, but a very specific type of country lane. And I, I'm not local. When I moved here 15 years ago, I was intrigued by how many different names you Cumbrians have for footpaths. <laughs> Me uh, Cumbrians? <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. I'm from rugby in the Midlands where <laughs> it's a footpath and that's it. And that's you know. it. Uh, but here they've got all these different names of trods, meanderings, waths, lonnings. And I thought, what makes a lonning a lonning? And yes. I think uh, a lonning was originally from the word lone, which meant the quiet place by the farm. Right. And that was where villagers would go to get butter, milk and other things. So it was a place where you could talk to the farmer and not be interrupted by cattle. 
Um, and then the loaning was the path up to the farm. Yes. And a lot of loanings do lead to farms, but yes. I think Cumbrians just adopted this word as a nice term for a particular type of country lane. I can, I can appreciate that, this notion of a quiet way. Yeah, and, yeah. And I noticed there's a place under Little Mel Fell called Longthwaite. Right. Which probably means the quiet, sheltered... Yeah. It's a lovely, enclosure. a lovely concept. Yes. And the great names for them. I mean, you've got Johnny Bulldog Lonning, you've got Lovers Lonning, you've got Blue Bottle Lonning, Tatey Pot Lonning. Wine Lonning, I suppose. Wine Lonning, yes. Thin and Fat Lonning, <laughs> uh, Squeeze Gut Lonning. Uh, just fantastic names. Yeah, so, they're, uh, they're, they're a genre on their own. And it's brilliant, Alan, that you picked up on it uh, and run with it. You, you mentioned you came from rugby. Yes. What drew you up to Cumbria? Uh, my partner, Leslie, uh, is from Whitehaven originally. Oh. And we've moved around all over the country. And I just loved it when we came up to see her parents. And I, I loved the Lake District, obviously, but I loved West Cumbria as well, the sort of slightly more rough edge to the Lake District, dare I say. It's lovely. And, well, it's uh, recognising the quality of the place. is something... Somebody from the outside like yourself yeah. has actually picked up on it. I, I make this point that if you want to get tourists from Keswick and Coniston and all of that out to Whitehaven and Workington, you need to celebrate Lonnings, Corpse Roads, Waths, all those other paths, <laughs> yes. all those the boggles and fairies in the landscape. Wow. You need to celebrate that local history because that's what tourists like, it's what locals like. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll go and see if we can find a bogle <laughs> on our way. Okay. We're coming along Church Lonin. It's become a tarmac road at the moment. We're approaching the hamlet itself. And in the field immediately to my left, or our left, there's some Herdwick tubs and dotted all over the field are rooks. And I don't know if you can hear them. It's lovely to see these uh, tubs. There's, uh, I think there's a few ewes as well in there sitting quietly in the pasture. You were mentioning an interesting term, Alan. Uh, ligging kessin. What's, uh, a, what's a ligging kessin? <laughs> ligging kessin is dialect, still used by farmers, for upside down, basically upside down sheep. Oh. And it, it's important to know, because if you're walking along in the, in the lake, well, anywhere, and you see a sheep lying on its back, that's yep. ligging kessin. And they can't get back up on their own. They can't turn themselves up the right way. So you have to go and help them up, otherwise they will die. Right. Um, so you keep, we keep an eye out for ligging kessin sheep. And in the last 10 years, we, we've saved the lives of about seven or eight sheep uh, by turning them, I suppose, kessin ligging rather than ligging, <laughs> yes. ligging kessin. Well, there you are, uh, listeners. You've, so you've learned something like I have. If you see an upside down ligging kessin sheep, put it up the right way. Right, they, they, they lie on the back like t tortoises. I know, I know, but he's very sad. It's not a nice way to go, so uh, do give them a hand. <laughs> and they bite, so just keep your hand away from the head. Just approaching uh, the boot in, sharp to the right, the little irregular walled lane. I presume that's a lawn in as well, Alan. Uh, no, this is an alley. This is no. <laughs> you allowed alleys. <laughs> this is. It looks like a lawning, but oh. it's uh, it's known as Ticklebelly Alley. Oh. Um, <laughs> and I don't know why. I've come across one other, mm. uh, which they in the east of the county, which they call Tickleberry Alley. 
Ooh. And I don't know the derivation of the word. Um, somebody suggested tickle belly might be a bit naughty, a bit sort of um, young couples going down there to <laughs> tickle bellies. Uh, but I'm not sure that no. quite works. No, no. Um, but it's a glorious little cut through. No name on a map, no name on a sign, but ask anyone locally where Tickle Belly Alley is. Right. Point you here. Fabulous. Well, these are the places to find, aren't they? <laughs> Gosh, Alan, it's a hive of industry and activity here at the mill. I mean, this is one of the most remote parts of the world, and yet suddenly we've got dustbin <laughs> men turning up, we've got workmen restoring the mill. Uh, it's, yeah, it is quite a busy place today. Yeah, the site engineer, he just came up to me and said, uh, health and safety, you know. <laughs> <laughs> even here. Even, even here. In, even in boot. Yeah, and it's, it's such a wonderful antiquated scene. Uh, and there's the overshot water wheel over there, which is fascinating. Well, they're, they're restoring boot mill, and I just hope they don't restore it too much because it was a lovely, it is a lovely dilapidated old building. And there comes a point when dilapidated charm becomes dilapidated <laughs> dangerous. So I realised they've got to do something. But I, I took a couple of days off work just to photograph this mill. And I said to Dave King, who was the miller at that point, I said, for goodness sake, don't come and sweep or clean before I photograph, because I want all the cobwebs. And you'd be in the mill and a robin would come along. And I'd say to Dave, you know, is, is that Robin all right? Will it get out? Oh, yes, Robin's all right. So the sparrow needs a help getting out, but the <laughs> Robin knows its way out, you know. And it's just that lovely, you know, it wasn't clear where the mill ended and the wood began, you Absolute know. They just, they just sort of merged into two. I remember taking a photograph myself oh, 15 years or so ago of a cat sits, yes. sitting on the, on the steps. Stanley. Stanley. Stanley, yes, yes. Well, very popular character, Stanley. And uh, <laughs> uh, I think the most popular postcard was of Stanley sitting on the mill. Fabulous, because yeah. that was the family name in the valley, wasn't yes, it? Yes, yes. And there's yeah. a Stanley Force up the valley. That's right. That's right. Yes, anyway, I gather they're reopening next July. Oh, it, right. It's 2019, so that'll be the time well, to come. Well, come and make sure they've not put double glazing in or anything hideous like that. <laughs> Old bit of path there, Alan. Uh, it, it's uh, a tough walk up onto the fell, but um, that's the hard work you have to put in, Mark, before you enjoy the nice, <laughs> level, easy to walk fell on the top, you know. So <laughs> you, you've got to earn your uh, rewards. Yeah, and, and the reward here at the moment is a wonderful view across the valley towards Stanley Force. Yes, quite a striking a, feature. It's a, it's a great mare's tail today, and beyond it is Green Crag. Yeah. Now, we're just about to break away from the line of what it looks like a zigzagging path through a gate, uh, and um, this is the continuity of the corpse road. Yeah, the, the path splits here, so you can go up onto White Moss, and a lot of people take that to look for the stone circles that are, are up there. Um, but we're going to turn off right to the Corpse Road proper and really heading to Burnmore Tarn. That's right. our, the next target in our sights. target. These Corpse Roads, how many... You've st studied them in detail, there's, haven't you? There's seven or eight famous ones. So you've got Mardale to Shap, Wasdale, Lesdale, Grasmere, of course, a very famous one. We've been researching them for about two years. Mm -hmm. We've now found about 30 
corpse roads or rumours of corpse roads. <laughs> rumours. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, we were talking about the steep path up here and how they actually carried the dead. That's an issue. There's a, there's a ghost story we'll come to later associated with this one, which has a coffin balanced on the back of a horse, oh, right. which is complete nonsense. You couldn't <laughs> balance a coffin on the back of a horse. Uh, they were normally put into uh, winding sheets, which mm-hmm. is a... a old term for shroud uh-huh. uh, put on the back of a horse the horse goes over the fell you get to the church you then put the body in the coffin at the lich gate normally and and bury them but if the road was along a valley as it mm-hmm. is in Grasmere you'd more often or not just use a cart uh, to put the coffin on uh, or put the body on so it all depended on the landscape. And you had stones that you could rest the coffin on as well? Uh, no, that's a complete load of nonsense, Mark. Brilliant. And I'm glad to put that. Uh, the coffin rest is often a term used for, and there are many of them in Cumbria, for a, a misshapen stone. And they say, <laughs> oh yes, this is where, when the coffin got heavy, they took the coffin rested on the stone. No, they just put the coffin wherever they wanted. The coffin rest was more of a wayside cross. Ah. And they would stop and they would sing him or say a prayer i'm sure they did have a rest as well <laughs> yes uh, but it was it was a bit like the stations of the cross ah, it was yes. you know you you stopped every few yards and this carried on up into the 19th century this idea of stopping en route uh, to the to the graveyard and saying a prayer singing a hymn whatever mm. um, so it's rest in the old meaning of the word uh, rather than i'm pleased i brought it know. up <laughs> well let's get through this gate we've had our rest let's get on Well, we've come along and we met one of our first walkers of the day. And uh, hello, how are you getting on? Hello. Where have you come from? I've come from Wasdale. Are you doing a circuit? No, I'm just going from Wasdale to the pub in Esdale. And then back. Marvellous. And then back, yeah. What's it like up there? Lovely. It's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. It's been a dry day so far, so I'm hoping yeah. it holds out a bit. Yeah, I think we're ahead of the weather at the moment. Right, That's right. fabulous. And uh, so this is a bit of a landscape that you know well. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's it. Are you comparatively local? No, no, I'm from uh, Malvern in Worcestershire. Malvern, that's yeah. it. Precambrian mountains. That's right. Well, hills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Interestingly, one of the features of this particular road mm. uh, is the fact that there's a story about a ghost. Did you witness anything unusual? I've not seen anything. Ah, no. but you won't see it, but would you sense it? No. I don't, I've not sensed much evil. I've left the wife at home. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we won't edit that one out. <laughs> but hey, it's lovely to see you. And to you. Nice to meet you all. Brilliant. Anyway, just passing the wall, it's a consumption wall here, just a little bold expansion of the wall. Uh, and there's... Uh, you can see the upper farm uh, on the other side of Willenbeck, which is very wooded and great in little barrow, the rocky headlands beyond. And I can see on the shoulder of the fell up there, a, a ruin. Uh, I, it will be a shepherd's dwelling. And I believe there are similar dwellings out of sight upon the Bratz Motz side. Uh, these are peat cutters dwellings where they will cut the peat, put them into dry and then they will carry the peat, dried peat down. So there's evidence of that and that's anybody who's coming to this area, it's worth going and exploring there as well as going to see the stone circles, which are real. Fascinating these routes. We're going up onto the moor here 
some roads, like the one at Grasmere to Ambleside, that you'd have thought it had gone down the valley, for example. Yeah, it, it, logically, you think, right, we, you know, they had to take the dead from Ambleside all the way to Grasmere through Rydal. You know, why not just use the A596 or whatever it is? Um, but instead, the path goes a third of the way up the valley. And it's, it's quite nice because it's one of the few that's actually got a sign that says coffin routes. You know, so they've actually marked it. Um, and the explanation seems to have been that certainly until mid-19th century, the valley bottoms were so boggy and marshy, they were unwalkable. It's a white so, moss, it's called white moss, isn't it? Now? Yeah, mm. yeah, so it was more sensible to go a third of the way up the valley where the path was created. Yes. And uh, Martindale to Greystoke, we're not sure of the uh, exact route there, but again, the footpath seems to be a third of the way up the valley. Yes. So you tend to think that the bottom of the valley was not the route that you, any sensible person <laughs> took. Um, Horses uh, can cope with water, but people aren't so cope. Yeah, and I think some of the routes as well go from farmhouse to farmhouse because yes. they were a chance for them to pay their respect, chance to get something to eat, mm. something to drink. Uh, the Rydal one has got um, the spring of water, Nab's Well, uh, uh, along there, so it was a chance to get water. So I think generally it wasn't just what we see as the modern person as the easiest route. No. It, it was what was the driest. Expedient and, uh, to the feet. Yeah. So they carried the coffin. Was always on a horse or did they carry it on their shoulders? It, it was normally uh, the body only in a, in a winding sheet or shroud on the back of a horse. Uh -huh. But there are accounts of the corpse road where they, they took the dead in a coffin on their shoulders, like we carry a coffin into a church. And one of the best is uh, Threkel to Greystoke, which is quite a jaunt. But the chap who died had left the mourners uh, money for a drink. And they had the drink before they set <laughs> off. So they get completely drunk and then they pick up the coffin and they're walking along. And they eventually they meet one of their mates coming the other way and they go, oh, you're burying old George today. I go, oh, yes, yes. And he says, so did he want to go to Penrith first? And they realise they're so drunk they've taken the wrong route. They have to turn around and go back the, winding, uh, the right way. Yeah. The, the, so, the winding so, English road. So they did carry coffins on shoulders, but if you've ever done that, it's a blooming heavy weight to take uh, no. uh, a you need, you need all the uh, anaesthetic you can drink. Uh, well, that's it. You probably did need a good drink. <laughs> a stiff drink. A stiff drink to soften it. Anyway, marvellous. Well, we're completing the nice grassy passage, which is the lovely approach to a gate. And beyond that is the open moorland. And I'm passing a lone sycamore tree, now completely bereft of leaves. It's the end of a wall. Ahead of us, there's the great sweep of moorland. Over to my right, I can see Heart of Fell with a cap of cloud and out of sight on the shoulder eel tarn and the stony tarn our ultimate direction while well, i can see a lone peat ruin and um, the track goes up by there uh, up towards burnmore tarn uh, i can see the whole of great howe great escarpment there which overlooks burnmore tarn but i can't see the score fells there's a great sense of energy and mood desolation was the word i was going to use but it's lovely for that uh, no mobile phone signal, go, you know, anything going on here. Uh, it's just the complete bleakness. It's, if it's only got... it was raining as well. If only, <laughs> if only it was raining, 
<laughs> if only it was raining, we would not be recording. <laughs> Gosh, Alan, the wind is pretty apparent now. It's pretty strong, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, did you shut that gate? <laughs> uh, I can just see Eel Tarn over there, the evil water, it means. Ah, right, right. Which reminds me, these corpse roads, people didn't vary when they were following them. It, it was not a no, good thing. you had to stick to the corpse road proper. And uh, you, you find this in a lot of traditions, like beating the bounds where they walk the parish boundary. You had to stick to the exact line. And there are one or two cases, particularly in the north of the county, where people have diverted from the route and another member of the family has died within oh. a year. And uh, horses that refused to leave the past because they instinctively know this would be the wrong thing to do. Yeah. It was a sacred sort of path. That was the idea about it, that this path was was sacred. And it was a very strong belief as well that once you carried a dead body over a path, it became a corpse path. Right. And and uh, it was then forever a public footpath. Right. And yes. that's why this and yes. many others still exist, Quite. because there was just this concept, totally erroneous in yes. law, that once you carried a dead body over, that was it. It was forever a public footpath. It had a so, sacred right yeah, built in. Yeah. That's and fascinating, isn't it? There's one or two, I think one in Bassenthwaite, where a woman pays the farmer a penny to rent the field for an afternoon so she can get her dead grandmother over to the church uh, rather than him relinquish, you know, and have a public footpath. It's basically an agreement saying, we'll just rent it for an afternoon. <laughs> and that got them out of having a public footpath over their property. You know. uh, landowners were notoriously in the past very jealous of anybody traipsing over their land. They still can be, unfortunately. <laughs> well, yeah. this, is, this is why the Open Space Society still operates. Here, here. <laughs> so was there a sort of a mood? Are they people carrying the body? Were they emotionally uh, charged uh, by the event? It was, it was, I think, would have been obviously a sombre occasion. But more than that, there was very much a sense of duty mm -hmm. and a sense of importance. As I say, at the sort of coffin rests and wayside crosses, they would have stopped and sung a hymn or said a prayer. Um, and uh, you were, in, in certain Cumberland, you were bidden to a funeral, an old word. And ah, bidden yes. was much more than just being asked. If you were bidden to a funeral, you did go. You yes, know, there was no getting out of it. Yeah, you had a duty to go. The bidding to a funeral was uh, a three-line whip. <laughs> right. Well, I'm going to do a three-line whip because the wind is whipping <laughs> over my shoulder. Let's get Let's walking. Let's carry on. Amazing, Alan, how it opens up here. A great moorland of grass blown by the very strong wind that's coming over our shoulders behind us. And ahead, we've got this amazing view. Do you know the view at all, Alan? I don't. I know I'm looking sort of roughly to Wasdale, but um, I don't know what the fells are. Yeah, well, the sunlight is on, in effect, looking stead above black sail up Mosdale. Right. Uh, and to the right of that, with a little hint of sunlight, appropriately on Kirkfell, bearing in mind we're on a corpse road. And you can see the summit of Eubarrow. To my right, we've got uh, Grey Tower, and Captain Cloud is Scorfell. Right. Over to my left, you've got Ilgill Head, very strikingly, a great mound of hill. Yeah. Uh, and immediately sharp to our west, you can see the very top of Boat Howe, the high point on Estale Moor, and over the top of that, uh, Winrig. 
Anyway, we're heading on. Shortly, we'll get a view of the Great Tarn. And thank goodness it's not too windy. Oh, what wind? <laughs> We've bumped into two more uh, energetic guys uh, walking from Wasdale to the Boot Inn. Uh, where have you come from uh, originally? The Staffordshire Moorlands this morning. This very morning? Yeah. So you started late today, because here midday, we are. Midday we left the hotel, here. Yeah. Wasdale Head Hotel. So you're off to the Boot Inn. For some lunch. Lunch. Liquid. Liquid. <laughs> I hope you've got head torches. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do, you, do you know this as the corpse road? Yes, or yeah, yeah, we've walked this for many and, years. And do you know about the ghost? I'm or... almost a corpse myself. <laughs> well, we come up just above the tarn, Alan. Uh, it's a great bowl in the hills. I, I love it. I love the setting of this tarn with the backdrop of the fells. Terrific. And today, of course, with the mood, there's a mood in the air. It's like no time of day and no weather. It's, it sort of could be four in the morning, it could be 10 o'clock at night. It, it, it's so dark, it's, it's actually one in the afternoon, but you wouldn't know it. There's no, no direct sunlight and it, it's bleak to the point of, um, of wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now there's a story that goes with this setting. And, and it's just right for this sort of misty, cold, dark uh, landscape. There is a ghost on this corpse road and it's quite a famous one. Most people know about it. And it involves a son dying in Wasdale Head, being put in a coffin the coffin on the back of a horse and brought over the corpse road mm -hmm. and about here about, about by the town um, the horse bolts and is lost and they search for it obviously but can't find it well his poor mother is distraught oh, yes. uh, she dies about six months later so they put her body in a coffin on the back of a horse yes. and again they get to about here and careless or what the mourners again lose the horse but they come down they're searching they come down to the town they see the horse and the coffin so they come down but it's not the mother it's the son wow whose body is now rotting away um so the mother's body and horse is never found and it's said that they've rotted away and they've, the mangled corpses of the body of the woman and the horse have become fused together yes. and on a misty night or misty day it'll come out of the mist towards you wow. uh, so you know just be careful when you're walking Absolutely. along here the wind is whipping across the water there creating horses i can see God, it's chilly though It's a bit wet coming over there. Bullet bridge is missing, I noticed. You didn't, you didn't tell me it had been swept away. <laughs> I, mean, I remember the story that goes with it, by the way. Oh, yes. Uh, there was two National Park path engineers. Uh, and one I knew quite well, Malcolm Guyatt from Wuthwaite. Right. So the latter part of the name, Bullet, is his name. Oh, right. And right. his colleague was at the front end of the name. Oh, right. <laughs> but unfortunately, their handiwork uh, has washed away. Get them back. Get rid of the back. <laughs> but we will be crossing another bridge shortly uh, yes. that they did build. Uh, build uh, and built as stone. So I we'll know get... the one you mean. Yes, yes. yeah. But anyway, because uh, we're heading towards Wasdale Head, of course, 
Uh, and I associate the name Will Richardson with that. And he was a great storyteller and a great fibber. A big, yeah, well, the world's biggest liar. Uh, still goes, competition still goes on in November. Right. And he loved telling his stories. And he told a version of the Burnmore ghost, uh, the Rosdale head ghost, uh, which was that um, a, a woman dies and they're carrying her body on the horse over the corpse road. And halfway across, it bashes into a rowan tree. And the, the dead woman wakes up and she's brought back to life, you know. She happily lives for a few more months and then she dies properly. And they're bringing her back over. And as they get near the rowan tree, the husband says, just mind that rowan tree, will you? <laughs> a very, a very Will Ritson story. Yes. But uh, these ghost stories always do change. I mean, what's nice in this digital age is that we're able to track the stories back. And the best one we've sort of come across is the Newtown Boggle, which is in Whitehaven Town Centre. And a boggle, which is a rather intriguing term, is in itself. A boggle is a Cumbrian dialect term for a ghost. Ah, uh, yes. And people say, oh, I'm boggled by this, meaning they're baffled by it. Ah, so, mind-boggling. Yeah, anything that can't be explained. But a boggle is a particular type of ghost. And the Newtown ones say, but again for about 300 years and we tracked it through the archives through the newspapers and it's also because you know, like in the Victorian era it's very sort of Victorian melodrama so it's a figure in a white sheet that's bedabbled with blood ah. and he's carrying a knife a Ooh, dagger uh, but then in the Edwardian era it becomes more romantic so it's a lovelorn woman who, who walks along Love Lane in Whitehaven ah, yes. looking for her betrothed. Right. Uh, and then in the mining era, it becomes a sort of howling dog that warns of a disaster in the, in the pits. Uh, and so we've seen how the boggle has changed Quite. in character uh, depending on the age that it's in. What will it be next? Well, we'll just have to wait and we'll see. see. Yeah. We'll have to go and have a look for it. Yeah, well, I'll go <laughs> look on our uh, tablets or our <laughs> iPhones and see if we can it, find it. It'll probably be a digital ghost yeah. it? yes you know, uh, it'll yeah. be a it'll be a hologram not a horror <laughs> gram <laughs> it's wonderful how those two becks come together those little gills and it's, uh, it's just a lovely double humpback Pack horse bridge, really, it, it isn't is, it? It is, know. in effect, yes. And, and I don't know of any other one like it. No, this is Malcolm Guyatt, the man who did the oh, bullet, yes. bullet bridge, which is Bosch okay. away, but he was a very good uh, engineer. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he created something that was practical and architecturally sound, but also visually very creative and, and fantasy almost, fantasy world. It's like... So, yeah, so you got a Harry Potter, isn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it'll last for 500 years. Yeah, it, I think uh, if we all could do something of that, <laughs> we'd do well. What well a Malcolm. Whenever I tweet a picture of this, I always get people saying, well, I've been in the lakes all my life. Where's this bridge? <laughs> yes, it, yes. It's not one that people come across very well, often. If, if, if Malcolm's listening, uh, I applaud <laughs> his efforts. And uh, now I was thinking about the fashions. There's been a fashion in ghost stories. I think so, because you look at the heyday of the Victorian era, and that was certainly the heyday of the Boggle in Cumbria as well. Mm -hmm. And you've got, you know, people like Charles Dickens telling ghost stories. He was a founder member of the Ghost Club. Uh, you had the spiritualism uh, boom and seances yeah. uh, and all of that. And uh, it's it sort of kept going through the 20th century, but 
you know, we had 1970s, we had poltergeists in council houses, and that ah, was, yes. they've all vanished. Then and the poll taxes came in and ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> you just wonder where have all the you know all the ghosts have died out, haven't yeah, they? Yeah, you know, have where, where have they all gone? The Victorian era was when they were really at the I think so. Story. And in Cumberland, it was an age when they were wanting to sort of, in true scientific fashion, sort of say, well, this is a boggle, this is a dobby, this is a hobgoblin, this is a frightening, and they had different categories. They're trying to be right. scientific about it. Again. Dobby was a Westmoreland version of the boggle, oh, and uh, J.K. Right. Rowling has now popularised Dobby ah. once again as basically a house ghost, you know, oh. rather than one you'd meet on the fell. Right. The Dobby was a house goblin. Right. Uh, so they all had their different sort of uh, categories. Categories, and then of course they, some of them had a purpose as well. There was an underlying reason why they were fostered. <laughs> um, well, there was uh, certainly get that impression with some ghosts, and uh, there, there was uh, certainly a type of boggle that parents would use to keep children away from ponds oh. uh, or dangerous places, or make sure they got home before it got dark. Yes. So near Coniston is a little town called Jenny Greenteeth. Ooh, and Jenny yes. Greenteeth was the witch who lived in this. And it's a very boggy tarn. Mm. And uh, the story is that if you were walking near the tarn, she'd appear as a little sweet old lady who'd sort of grab you by the arm oh, and get you yes. talking. Yes. And you'd be so engrossed in talking to her, before you realised it, you were sucked into the mire. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so God. it was, a, it was a, a deliberate attempt to keep children away. Right. Some of them, I think, were a lot more real. You know, you've got... Um, the spectral army that appeared on Sousa fell yeah, for a I've number of, of years. And that's very well attested. Multiple witnesses over different periods of time. Very, you know, even though it happened 250 years ago, very good documentation on it. And you've got others where there's multiple witnesses who've seen a ghost or boggle. Uh, and it's very difficult to just dismiss it as, no. oh, it was just a will-o'-the-wisp or no, something like that. Wainwright defined what was the most beautiful square mile in the Lake District, which is one thing. Yeah. But can you say that there's a, a, a comparable square mile which is the most haunted? Um, yeah, I think so. Looking at all the ghost boggles and everything else that we've looked at, I think Workington to Camerton, Workington down to the river... Um, is probably the most haunted sort of square mile. Right. Uh, start at Helena Thompson Museum, a lovely place to visit. Absolutely. Uh, they've got the ghosts of the rhyming children, uh -huh. uh, ghosts of children who are heard telling nursery rhymes or singing rhyming songs. Mm -hmm. And then Workington Hall to it next to it, which has got a headless ghost, a white lady, galloping Henry, uh, who's supposed to haunt it. And then you drop down the hill to Friars Well, where there's supposed to be the ghost of a friar who was murdered and stuffed down the well. And then you can carry on your walk along the corpse road along the river to Camerton Church. Uh, Camerton Hall no longer exists, but the Camerton Hall Boggle was a very famous boggle uh, in its time. So there's a similar one in the north of the county. It was a, a glowing boy. It was the ghost of a young boy that was right. seen glowing in a bright light. Um, but uh, they, would use, they would sort of say of young women who were overdressed. Uh, oh, you're all bright like the Camerton Hall boggle. You know, because, <laughs> because you were like yes. showing off and uh, yes. you know, a bit too fashionable. Wow, it... But it hasn't been seen for many years. Right. Wondering about why the ghosts have vanished now. And mm -hmm. I just wonder whether in this age of CCTV uh. and all of that, that, you know, there's less chance to sort of 
claim to have, yeah, claim to have seen it because you were just winding the CCTV back and there it is. It's been stolen from us, this ability to be amazed by something. I think as well just, you know, telling a good story, you know, yes. and that's why, you know, the likes of old Will Whitson, you know. Yeah. I mean, we have the biggest liar, which is a sort of Fabulous. thing unto itself. And, and old Alan Cleaver, I've heard him as well. <laughs> but the idea of just sitting, you know, and telling stories and coming up with a good ghost story oh, is, is um, you know, sadly not so prevalent as no. it used to be. Well, I'm it? sure you'll keep the story going. Well, come through the gate below the lovely bridge. And I bumped into, off, off the mic, uh, a guy from the Wasdale Mountain Rescue Team and I'd mentioned we, what we were doing and, uh, and then I said well, our very first one we went up Scorfell Pike and it's almost like a red rag to a bull to him and said oh, goodness me the frustration we're having at the moment with people not really taking advice they're just going off with their devices uh, and going up at the most inappropriate times and this week particularly up Piers Gill somebody started late in the day and went up there and got lost and um, it forces them to have to come and collect the miscreants, as it were. And we have a problem in this area. And uh, using the right advice, the right map properly, like you do, Alan, you, that's one thing you so, applaud. I mean, yeah, I mean, GPS is very good and the smartphones and the device are that very good. But, I mean, the point I'd make is it's good fun to use a man. Yeah, have you got a mobile phone with you? I've got a mobile phone and I've just had a text, which is unusual to get a signal here. Oh, right. Um, boasting about my navigation skills. Yes. I thought we were at Wasdale Head. Yeah, of course we are. Orange have just texted me to say, welcome to the Isle of Man. <laughs> so I can vouch for that, listeners. <laughs> it's outrageous. Uh, so I'm not sure where we are now. Yeah, I'm, we're, I'm we're totally the lost. The, you know. the, the, we're in the far western fells, <laughs> of which Snaefell is the highest point. I always remember the world's biggest liar two years ago. He almost won it straight away because he got up to go on stage. And as he's walking up, he lifts up his mobile phone and he says, I've got a signal. And this was such an outrageous <laughs> lie. They almost handed in the prize straight away. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Well, Alan, we've come to Journey's End, St. Olaf Church, come through the shield of yew trees that shelter this wonderful little sanctuary in the hills. It's, uh, it's a gorgeous little church, and uh, just in time, I think we've reached sanctuary because the weather's beginning to close in now. Um, so we're, we're here just in time. This is really, I suppose, the mountain climbers' church, isn't it? You know, oh, yes. This is, uh, you see, sadly, all the memorials around us to uh, those who've lost their lives on mm. the fells. It's, it's a place of adventure and misadventure and uh, this has been a sanctuary but you mentioned the the dedication St Olaf's. A, a, a modern dedication. This church only got a name in 1977 uh, when the Bishop of Carlisle opted for St Olaf's and it was only dedicated as a church in 1901. Uh, I mean it's been here since about 1500. Um, and it would have been a chapel of ease, really, a sort of not quite a church. Mm -hmm. uh, so the, the dead would have had to have been taken over to Westdale. Um, but since 1901, they've allowed burials here. Mm. And uh, as I say, it's, it's mainly used for those 
who've died on the mountains and as memorials those who've died on mountains around the world. So it's, it's very much one that fell walkers and mountaineers come to. It's, they identify, it's like the birth of mountaineering. Heskett Smith climbing Nape's Needle and those sort of heroic stories of the mountains have their origins in this setting. Yeah. And uh, as a place of pilgrimage for mountaineers, uh, if you think back into the Victorian times when mountaineering was just starting, religious um, observance was still very strong. Yeah. We live in a far more secular environment now, but still this is a place that we should come and sense the majesty of the mountains. Yes. There's interesting uh, stained glass window in here. I just want to get your view on okay. it. Okay. It's fascinating to come in here, Alan. In a valley where trees aren't as prevalent as you might imagine, it's wonderful to see the beams uh, and the roof rafters. So timber is very uh, evident in here. It's like a little low-slung buyer, a cattle buyer. Yeah, yeah. It's and uh, quite a small, I mean, obviously a small church. I mean, I think about 120 maximum mm. uh, you could get in here, but very sweet. And uh, yeah, the open roof with the, the wood beams is, uh, is a delight to see. Uh, and the small stained glass diamond windows. Uh, mm. and, uh, yes, that, 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 absolutely. And that's where I, I, I was going to mention. There's this very tiny little bit of black and white art and te text from Psalm 121. It says, I will lift mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my strength. Yeah. That is a a complete statement where you can understand for mountaineers to say, oh, I got my strength from climbing on mountains, whereas right. the actual psalm yeah. uh, infers quite the opposite. Oh, <laughs> uh, right, OK. <laughs> I lift my eyes to the mountains. Right. Uh, apostrophe, where cometh my help? Right. I get my help from the Lord oh, on, right. on heaven and okay. earth. So the mountains are seen as obstacles. Yes. And in order to get over those obstacles, you need the Lord's help. Whereas this is saying the it's the hills that are going to give me my strength. Yes. Yeah. It. It's wonderful to be able to think back at uh, that Victorian age, the great sort of mountaineering who came here. And many of them will have come in here and said their prayers to the Lord. Certainly. And it, it will have meant a lot to them, this place. And... Uh, we are go we've been following a corpse robe which is the ghost of the past we have the ghost of the past of those mountaineers who inspired the uh, the, the love of these mountains i think we ought to sneak off to the what's head, head in, in. Oh, oh, right. we'll, we'll see if old wilbertson's there and <laughs> well, a few more tales for yeah us. we'll find any lies thanks very time. much mark it's a pleasure Settled in for the evening now, Mark, in uh, the Wasdale Head Inn, the Ritson's Bar here. I thought it was a fabulous walk today. I would say it was my most enjoyable of the podcast so far. I, that walk from Estelle Boot through to Wasdale Head, I mean, it felt very remote and very bleak today, very moody. It was like travelling through a an ancient landscape, mm. and Alan did us proud. Yeah, I mean, it was, it's starting from 
the Lonnings and the pack horse routes and talking about the corpse roads and how people have travelled through history to, to create the paths that we now take for granted as walkers. But they've got a history. Footprints run deep, don't they, yes, across the moor there? they do that, and uh, that route is, is used to this day. And, and it was interesting, we met two or three people and they all knew it was a corpse robe, which is, in this day and age, is an unusual thing. What I thought was particularly interesting about everybody we met was they were doing the same walk. They were, they were walking from here, <laughs> the pub, to Boot, the pub, and it seemed like they were going to have quite a, quite a few in Boot and then come back over the top. And with the weather doing what it was doing, I, it's kind of extraordinarily ambitious, although pretty good fun, frankly. But there were two guys who come all the way up from Staffordshire today, yeah, got yeah, here yeah. at lunchtime, and they were heading to Boot, and they, they knew what they were about, they knew they would need they were, head torches. They were looking forward to their pints. Yeah, and of course being this particular weekend coming up, the Remembrance Service on the summit yeah. of Scorfell Pike and uh, Great Gable, yep. there, there will be a lot of people coming up with all sorts of emotions, and uh, uh, one can understand the great gift of the mountains is still very strong in people's minds, and this place is a very special place. It is, yes, and um, I think Sunday 4am they've got a piper at the top of Scarfell Pike. It's going to be a very special moment, that one. That's the 100 years uh, to the minute, I think, pretty much, since right. the armistice was and, and Ian Gray is going to be there, I believe. Ian Gray from episode one, yeah, who uh, the Fixer Fells Ranger um, will be there. I like the, um, the when he spoke about the transition, the, the kind of changing times and how stories change over time. Mm. You go on that walk and you, you see what you see, but there's the, the history of story, isn't there? There's yeah, absolutely. The, the places are related to kind of narratives that, that people will change throughout the years. Absolutely, and it's very appropriate. We're sitting at the Will Ritson bar. Absolutely, Who is the yes. most no- notorious... Uh, Storyteller. Yes, that's a nice leg way of puller. It. Yeah, yeah, leg puller. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right from the age when mountaineering was having its birth, he was right in the thick of it. Uh, we were meant to meet up with Harriet and Rob Fraser to talk about trees, but we had to abandon ship, didn't we? For, yes. Uh, Terrible weather, which actually never materialised. This is typically a classic one when you listen to the weather forecast. We live in an age where the weather forecast is absolutely red hot. Uh, reliable. That's right, yes. And it, and it let us down by not being as bad as it said it was going to be. <laughs> However, we deferred it for now for 10 days' time. Robin yes. Harriet Fraser will be available and we will be out again. Uh, so that will be our next podcast. And it's one I'm looking forward to. I mean to say, trees never fail to appeal. No, absolutely. So that's Borrowdale, Country Stride 5, uh, in a few weeks' time. Country Stride 6. Can Country you Stride it? 6. Oh dear. Right. Time flies. Tempest Fugit. That's right, yes. Okay, well, looking forward to that, Mark. And uh, thanks for, for choosing today's walk. That was, yeah, for me, a highlight. <laughs>